Please sit down. Before the, the children and youth leave, leave us, Helen's going to come up and she's just going to share with us a bit of information on a latest update in particular about what's been going on with an Andaban hospital and so on from there. She's got a few slides that she's going to show us in a, a video as well. Thank you. It's such a privilege to be back in Jersey. I totally love this island and everybody on it. It's a privilege to be in St George's Church for World Leprosy Day. Around the world, there are millions of people just raising the awareness of people affected by leprosy. So thank you so much for the honour to be here today. Well, you might well remember, um, 25th of April 2015, there were two tremendous earthquakes um, hit Nepal, um, leaving 9,000 people dead and over a million homes uh, destroyed or very, very badly damaged. It was a very tragic time for Nepal. But Nandaban Hospital responded within 24 hours. Now, um, temporary shelters were put up, as you can see. World Leprosy Mission worked with UNICEF to um, take patients out of the hospital and into temporary accommodation because although the hospital, praise God, remained standing, there were big cracks in the walls and obviously there were fears that possibly another earthquake would happen. Um, But what was so... In my mind and my heart, so awesome at this time is when the earthquake victims came to the Leprosy Mission Hospital with their crushed or broken limbs, they would go to the beds of people affected with leprosy and the leprosy patients vacated their beds to say, come, your need is more immediate than mine. I will attend you. I will give you water and food. Now, it wouldn't have been that long ago that the very person with leprosy had been evicted out of homes and villages by the people who are now coming into their hospitals. So that was grace in action. It was just wonderful to see that happening. Now, Krishna was a story that we used last year, the campaign. Krishna's life fell apart at the earthquake. He heard the rumblings and knew something was up, so he ran out of his house and looked back and called for his wife to come out As she ran out of the house, she tripped and fell, and the house fell on top of her and killed her. She was Krishna's whole world. He passed out in shock, and when he regained consciousness, he said, I don't want to live anymore. My world is gone. But he had his two sons, and he realized he couldn't just give up, so he lived for his boys. And you in Jersey responded to the needs of Krishna. This is what you rebuilt for this man. Now, this home has, is, is earthquake resistant and has disability facilities inside. He before just had a sort of rubble mud, mud hut, but now he's got this place that must feel like Buckingham Palace to him. Thank you. Um, and look at the look on his face. Those lives have been restored, not only physically with their home, But you have given Krishna a hope for the future. And his eldest son, the one with the striped t-shirt, he's just got engaged. He's getting married very soon. Now, in the culture in Nepal, the daughter-in-laws are brought back into the family home. That's just what they do over there. Now, that son would not have been able to get married if you hadn't have supplied a home for him. 
So Krishna's life has just been completely transformed by people of Jersey. You are the missionaries. Praise God for you guys. But the work is ongoing. Ranjana is a a very pretty 19-year-old girl who got diagnosed with leprosy when she was just 16. Those crucial years when you're building your self-esteem and self-worth. And because of the stigma and the discrimination of leprosy, she didn't tell anybody. But soon her disabilities became apparent. Her hands started to, to claw up. Her friends saw that she had leprosy and she was banished out of her school and out of her community. Her parents, we thank God that her parents were very supportive of her and tried to get some help. She was given um, the multi-drug therapy, the the uh, tablets that stops leprosy in its tracks. She was given those tablets from a local government hospital, but they couldn't help her clawed hands. So they took her to Anandaban, where in April last year, she had reconstructive surgery on one hand. The following month in May, she had her other hand made good again. So there are no symptoms now at all of her leprosy, she was able to go back to her studies and she's now just looking as to what she can do with the future. But again, it's because you have restored that girl's life. So thank you for what you are doing. Thank you for all the great work that's been able to happen at Anandaban because of your generosity. Um, I'm just going to look at these statistics here. Just under 13,000 were treated at the outpatients department. Actually, this is only in the first six months of the year, June to January to June. Um, of those outpatients, there were three, just under 4,000 of those were leprosy affected people. 350 treated for severe leprosy related ulcers on the feet, because don't forget, they cannot feel when they've stepped on a stone or a nail, so therefore ulcers occurred. 73 of them had surgery. And 114 patients, including Manjana, underwent reconstructive surgery. So hands that were clawed are now opened up. And 13 patients were given a new prosthetic leg. That's a lot of work happening in the hospital because of what you are doing. So, how can we help Anandaban carry on into the future? Well, there's a lot of work still needs to be done. Now, for example, £50 helps support three new mothers to give birth and just have the products they need to take their newborn baby back home. £375 could provide a new prosthetic leg. So that's the fitting and the, and the help and the care to be able to walk with a new prosthetic leg. And £3,500 covers a hospital bed for the year. Now that's just obviously not the physical bed. It's the, um, the salary for the nurses and the doctors and all the teams who help with you know, the food and the cleaning and what have you. That's the total cost. So that's what we pay for a single bed in an underband hospital each year. So thank you, Jersey. Thank you, St. George's, especially St. George's, for all that you're doing to pray for people affected with leprosy. Please carry on praying for those people in Anandaban, in Nepal, because what you are doing is helping to transform the hospital. 
There are um, actually architects out there at the moment looking at how they can repair some of the damaged walls, how they can build a new trauma unit, and they're looking also to have a new maternity unit. But that's ongoing, to make sure that Anandaban is fit for purpose for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. But do please keep praying for the hospital and keep praying for Ranjana. But thank you. Thank you, Jersey. Thank you, St George's, for all that you are doing. Now, the leprosy mission doesn't just work um, in Nepal. We have many other projects around the world. India has the biggest rate of leprosy. It has 60% of all cases of leprosy come from India. There's a hospital I visited recently called Perulia Hospital, very similar to Anandabad, and I just wanted to show you what was happening with Perulia Hospital because that just helps you paint the picture for your support with Anandabad. skirts of Perulia, a poor rural community in western Bengal. The roads are already busy as farmers make their way to the fields and women head to market. Also on the road are sick and disabled leprosy affected people from all across northern India. They come to Perulia because they know the leprosy mission hospital here offers their only hope of treatment. Has one of the highest rates of leprosy in the world, yet those affected by it are still shunned and ostracised. But at Perulia, they know they will find sanctuary and acceptance. Every day they come in their hundreds, and every day that number is growing. My name is Helen Walton. I've come to Perulia on behalf of the Leprosy Mission because this hospital needs our help. The number of people coming for treatment is placing an unsustainable burden on its facilities, and something needs to be done. This is the reception area for the hospital. It's crowded, it's noisy and chaotic. Many people would have travelled all night. They're desperate, they're poor, and they're worried. Turns no one away, yet the facilities here are just overwhelmed by the volume of people coming through its doors. I spoke to Dr. Joy Deeper, Peruvia's Deputy Superintendent, about the problems that her hospital is facing. We get patients from all over the uh, state, uh, especially in this district, and also from the neighboring states and the near, near, nearby districts. Uh, we get approximately up to 300 patients per day. And it is a surprising thing that the needs are growing larger and larger. Of course, the numbers have increased over the past one, one and a half years. We have tripled our numbers in terms of services. The need is, need is enormous here. Despite the queues, patients at Perulia receive the very best medical care. Doctors and nurses here have unrivaled expertise in treating leprosy and can provide a comprehensive range of medical services from diagnosis and medicine to counselling and reconstructive surgery for the damaged limbs. There are also eight wards for those patients needing more long-term care. But it is the rising number of outpatients that Perulia struggles to cope with. 
I've met Kushni and Gora in the queue this morning at the outpatients department. They're both so severely affected with leprosy, as you can see from Kushni's hand. They have travelled since 2 o'clock this morning to get to this hospital. Kushni has severe disabilities as a result of her leprosy, as well as the sores on her hand. She has an open wound on her leg caused by an ill-fitting artificial limb. Kushni's first appointment is with a doctor who makes an initial assessment of her condition. But as you can see, there's no privacy in these treating rooms. Overcrowding means anyone can watch and listen to what should be a private, confidential discussion between the patients and the doctor. Next, Kushni sees a physiotherapist. He's assessing the nerve damage in her hands and feet. As you can see, the patient is now in the physiotherapy department getting the treatment she so desperately needs. But there's no privacy for her. The pants fall off the walls. These ex-affected people deserve more than this. The signs of wear and tear can be seen all around the hospital. When it was built 40 years ago, it was designed to cater for a fraction of the numbers coming here today. This is a building that has simply outgrown its capacity and it's now at breaking point. The good news is there is a solution. I've come to talk to Dr. Pham, the superintendent of Perulia, about a plan to build a new state-of-the-art hospital wing. It will, he tells me, transform patient's experience of the outpatient's department, or OPD as it's commonly known. This is a new proposed site, right, Helen? So we want the OPD where it will be spacious, people have a place to sit, there will be privacy, and the doctors can have free space to go and examine the patient, do minor procedures, and also where people can come and share, you know, all the pains, all the sorrows, and above all, the, when they go back, they go back with, you know, a lot of satisfaction and sense of dignity in their lives. I'm so excited, having spoken to Dr. Pham, this is where the new outpatients department's going to be, and it's massive. This outpatients department is going to have extra consultation rooms for the doctors, providing privacy. It's going to have state-of-the-art um, rooms for laboratory testing. It's going to have extra toilet blocks, everything that's needed for people affected with leprosy to have a place that is dignified. It's wonderful to know there's a plan in place to transform Perulia and to make it into a modern, efficient hospital that it needs to be. I can't wait to get back to England to share the news. But before I go, there's one last person I want to see. Kushni's final consultation is with Gaius, Perulia's artificial limb specialist. He's modelling her leg so a new prosthetic limb can be made for her. It will enable her to walk properly and without pain for the first time in years. For Kushni, this really will be a miracle. If there is one story that can convince us of the value and purpose of this place of healing, it's Kushni's. Please will you join me and ensure those who are still outcast, still suffering, can get the help they desperately need. I've seen firsthand the difference this hospital is making to thousands of people's lives. For this work to continue, we need your support. Together, we can build this new outpatients department. Together, we can make a difference. Thank you. Please pray for Perulia Hospital and please do what you can to help rebuild the outpatients department by making a donation now. Thank you.
Hello, why don't you just um, pray for the hospital now before the, before the children and young people do this, okay? Okay, that'd be a pleasure. <clears throat> well, you've just seen what's happening at Perulia Hospital, but we're here to talk about Anandaban Hospital, but I wanted to show you exactly what's going on at Perulia is happening at Anandaban. So, Father God, we just lift up our hospitals overseas that are serving those people affected with leprosy. We're here to talk about Anandaban Hospital today that is a beacon of light for people whose lives are lost and broken and hopeless. Thank you, Father God, that you empower us, brothers and sisters across the seas, to have a heart of compassion for those people affected with leprosy. So we lift up Anandaban Hospital to you today. We lift up Perulia as well and just go, Lord, speak into our hearts. Help us to know how we can make a difference because we know together we can. Amen. Why don't we stand together and we'll sing our next song, number 935. And as we do that, um, the children and youth to lead us. sit down for our Bible readings. The first reading this morning is taken from the Old Testament and can be followed on page 721 of the Pew Bible. The reading is from Isaiah, chapter 58, reading from verse 6 to 12. The kind of fasting I want is this. Remove the chains of oppression and the yoke of injustice and let the oppressed go free. Share your food with the hungry and open your homes to the homeless poor. Give clothes to those who have nothing to wear and do not refuse to help your own relatives. Then my favour will shine on you like the morning sun, and your wounds will be quickly healed. I will always be with you to save you. My presence will protect you on every side. When you pray, I will answer you. When you call me, I will respond. If you put an end to oppression, to every gesture of contempt, and to every evil word, if you give food to the hungry and satisfy those who are in need, then the darkness around you will turn to the brightness of noon. And I will always guide you and satisfy you with good things.
I will keep you strong and well. You will be like a garden that has plenty of water, like a spring of water that never runs dry. Your people will rebuild what has long been in ruins, building again on the old foundations. You will be known as the people who rebuilt the walls, who restored the ruined houses. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from Matthew, uh, chapter 8, beginning at, well, it's just verses 1 to 4. When Jesus came down from the hill, large crowds followed him. Then a man suffering from a dreaded skin disease came to him, knelt down before him and said, Sir, if you want to, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. I do want to, he answered. Be clean. At once the man was healed of his disease. Then Jesus said to him, Listen, don't tell anyone, but go straight to the priest and let him examine you. Then in order to prove to everyone that you are cured, offer the sacrifice that Moses ordered. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, I pray as as I speak this morning, Lord, please anoint my lips. Open our hearts to have the hearts of Jesus to love, heal and have compassion on those people affected with leprosy. Amen. Every two minutes, someone around the world is being diagnosed with leprosy. Last year alone, 213,000 people were diagnosed with leprosy. But these are just numbers, they're just statistics. What is more worrying is the people affected with leprosy that go undiagnosed, they're under the radar, therefore they're remaining out out of the statistics and therefore not being able to be loved and cared for by our hospitals. When a person realises they have leprosy, they don't come forward with their condition because of the fear of the discrimination. Leprosy is a disease carrying many uh, myths and misconceptions associated with an ancient disease. History, really, has stopped people coming forward due to the fear of the stigma and the discrimination. The problem with leprosy, for those fearing the very stigma and discrimination, they tried to hide away their condition. Clawed hands and the ulcers resulting in the deformity will, or, and, and dropped foot will very soon become apparent because the disease is taking control. And then the very symptoms they tried to hide 
people notice, defeating what they set out to do in the first place. It's a vicious cycle. With the early signs of leprosy, the discoloured patches on the skin, that all it is initially, you just want to hide the effects. But soon the very symptoms worsen and they become visible. Leprosy, as I said, the disfigurement is then evident and the stigma and the discrimination take, take place. Leprosy is an easily curable disease. The multi-drug therapy introduced in 1982, it's a course of drugs, antibiotic drugs given over a 6 to 12 month period, stops leprosy in its tracks. It is 100% curable. The leprosy mission started as a mission based on prayer by Wesley Bell Bailey, focusing on and providing love, care and treatment for leprosy-affected patients. The medical care, they provided excellent interventions, including curing and healing, treating ulcers and amazing reconstructive surgery. But what the mission was not able to do was cure people's mindsets and the perception of this disease. Therefore, families hiding their children away in homes and the disabilities then becoming very obvious. So even though there is a cure, leprosy-affected people are still trying to run away from this, the reality of this wretched disease. When the mission started looking at how to continue to stay relevant to the cause of leprosy, it became very apparent leprosy is not just a medical problem. It's a multi-dimensional problem. The social stigma and the discrimination of this disease leads to exclusion from communities, from schools, from families and from villages. <coughs> we take our basic rights for granted. The right to vote, the right to medical care, the right to education. But people affected with leprosy are denied their very basic rights. Government laws, some going back to the early 1800s, state that people affected with leprosy are not allowed to vote. They're not allowed to use public transport. They can't get a driver's licence. And all religions say that in a family, if someone is affected by leprosy, it's an immediate right for divorce. So how do we help? How does the leprosy mission help people know their very own basic rights. So looking at Isaiah 58 verses 6 to 12, God talks of the kind of fasting that he is wanting. God says to the people of Israel, who practice that age-old ritual of fasting by abstaining from food and looking sombre and dressing in sackcloth and what have you as the outward sign of their religious fasting period. God was saying to these people who are, who are practising this age-old ritual in their religious practices, God stepped in and, and he says, let me define the spirit of fasting. Let me take you to a concept that is actually totally out of the box. Fasting is not just humbling ourselves for a length of time, giving up food and looking sombre. 
It's much, much more than that. God says, as far as fasting is concerned, you should take care of the oppressed. Fasting is dealing with injustice. Fasting is untying the cords of the yoke to set people free. So how do we work to bring equality among those who are marginalised? Through consistent prayer, God opened the hearts of the mission to become more than just medical. (coughs) Staff at the mission were led to look at Psalm 58 verses 6 to 12. God redefined the idea of fasting to stand alongside and help people who are oppressed who are living with injustice, who are denied their own very basic rights. Verse 12 of Isaiah 58 is wonderful, I I love it. He calls us to become repairers of broken walls and restorers of streets with dwellings. And at Anandaban, because of you, the restoration of lives and repairing the hospital, the broken hospital walls, is happening to transform lives of people affected with leprosy. I showed you the case with um, Krishna earlier. God invites each one of us to be repairers and to be restorers. Repair the broken lives. Restore broken streets with dwellings. It has been so exciting, hasn't it, to see Krishna's life and others in Nepal completely transformed not only by providing them with an earthquake-resistant home, but also with a hope for the future. You've restored his life, his hope, his dignity. And God invites us. It's an invitation for each one of us from God to be part of his team, to partner with him, to become repairers of broken lives, to restore value to people who have been devalued. Much like the good Samaritan in Luke 10 who intervened and he repaired and restored the poor man left for dead, beaten by the robbers. The priest and the Levite had walked past. In fact, they went over to the other side of the road. They didn't want to know. But the Samaritan stopped and he took pity on the man bandaged his wounds and took him to a place of safety. He restored that man's very life. Much like God himself who intervenes into our lives. Jesus came to repair our broken lives. Jesus came to save us from our sins. He restored us back into a fellowship with our Father God. And that's the call of God in our lives. And isn't that a privilege? It's a privilege to be part of God's team, to partner with him, and to be part of restoring and repairing broken lives, broken dwellings. And it's God's call to us to redefine the whole concept of fasting redefining what it means to be instruments in the hands of God to love one another as God loves us question is are we willing and prepared to be 
repairers and restorers of broken lives that have been devalued and ostracised and broken. Are we prepared to respond to God's calling to make a difference in our world? Together, we can be part of God's team making a lasting difference. Together, we can ensure that Anandaban Hospital will be transformed to cater for the needs of leprosy-affected people for many, many years to come. Thank you.